Anyway, if you've got your Bibles or your tablets or your phones or whatever you use, if you go to Luke 15 for me, please. Um, as Keith said, we're stopping Revelation this week. Um, it'll be good to get back into that next week again. But Luke 15. So starting at the beginning. Follow along if you want. Now the, the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to him. That's Jesus. And the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. So he told them this parable. What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the one that's lost until he finds it? And when he found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbours, saying to them, Rejoice! For rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine righteous persons who need no repentance. Or what woman, having ten silver coins, if she loses one, does not light a lamp, sweeps the house, and seek diligently until she finds it? And when she's found it, she calls together her friends and neighbours, saying, Rejoice with me, if I have found the coin that I had lost. Just so I tell you, there is, more, there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. And he said there was a man who had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the property that is coming to me. And he divided his property among them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had and took a journey into a far country. And there he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country, who sent him into the fields to feed the pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. When he came to himself, he said, Many of my father's higher servants have more than enough bread, and I perish here with hunger. I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your highest servants. And he arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion, and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring quickly the best robe and put it on him. And put a ring on his finger and shoes on his feet. And bring the fatted calf and kill it. And let us eat and celebrate. For this son was, this son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And he began to celebrate. Now his older son was in the field and he came and drew near to the house. He heard music and dancing and he called one of the servants and asked, what these things meant. And he said to him, Your brother has come, and your father has killed the fatted calf because you've received him back safe and sound. But he was angry and refused to go in. His father came out and entreated him, but he answered his father, Look, these many years I've served you and never disobeyed your command. Yet you gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. Though you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came, 
who has devoured your property with prostitutes, killed the fatted, you killed the fatted calf for him. And he said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all of his mind is yours. It is fitting to celebrate and be glad, for this brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. I'm just going to pray. Father, thank you for your word. I pray that you will speak to us, that you will show us your will and your purpose and your plan. Help us to understand what you're saying. Challenge us again today. Amen. I'm also going to take this up. It's boiling up here. So there's three parables, and it's, it's the whole chapter, but those three parables go together. Um, just before we go into the parables, a word on parables. Parables are stories that Jesus told. They normally serve a purpose to teach a particular point. So sometimes it's about the kingdom. In this case, it's about addressing some things that the Pharisees are doing and some things that were going on where Jesus was. They're not generally allegorical, so you don't get kind of like Narnia where the lion is Aslan and the witch is the devil and that sort of stuff. There's generally one meaning although there's little bits in there sometimes that mean other things. And so Jesus is speaking about a particular thing here. So I just want to go through the parables. I want to kind of just tell them again just really quickly, and then we'll see what they mean. So the first parable is the lost sheep. So the lost sheep, you've got a farmer in his field. He's got 100 sheep, and one goes missing. Now, is it, a sensible thing to do to leave 99 sheep in the field on their own and go after one if you're a farmer you can answer is it? probably not um, but he does there's wolves around there's bears and there's people that can steal sheep and there's weather that can kill the sheep and whatever but he decides to leave his livelihood which is his sheep he lives off the sheep he leaves them in the field to find one that's gone missing. It's that important to him. So he finds the one and he celebrates. Okay? Parable number one. Parable number two. The lost coin. So you have a woman who has ten coins. Ten coins. <laughs> and she loses one of the coins. Now again, if I had ten pounds in pound coins, unless I really needed something that was £10 exactly, I probably wouldn't be gutted if I lost a coin. Down the side of the sofa or whatever, but she cleans the whole house. She's looking down the sofa. Now, I, I found loads of money down my sofa. I mean, we've probably got like... Oh, <laughs> Becky's asking me where, look. Sorry. Um, <laughs> over the years... <laughs> like, I've... I, I've probably, I've probably got 20 quid down my sofa. But she's, she's down the sofa, she's hoovering, she's blushing up. She's trying to find one coin. She's got nine coins. She's got nine pounds. And she's trying to find one pound. Again, doesn't really kind of make a lot of sense to us. Maybe, maybe we just don't value money that much. I don't know. But she finds her coin. She's blushing up on all of that and she finds it. One coin. And it says she invites her neighbours over to have a party because she found the coin. I don't knock on our neighbours' doors when I find coins, do I? No. I, oh, oh, I found the pound. Come and have a party. 
any excuse for her party. Um, but she does. She may have a party because she finds one little coin. It's that special for her. Last one, third one, which we'll spend a little more time looking at and then we'll, we'll look at like, how we can interpret this a bit. So the two sons, we call it the prodigal son. I'm going to call it the parable of the two sons because that's what it's about, two sons. Older son goes to his father and says, I want my inheritance. He essentially says, I wish you were dead. Give me the money. So he has his inheritance and he goes off and parties. He travels the world, gets loads of prostitutes, drinks loads of alcohol, goes off on 1830 holidays and all that stuff. He travels all over the place. Loads of women, loads of drugs, loads of alcohol, loads of prostitutes, loads of fun as the world would see it. And he wastes what he has. And actually, it's not the point of the parable, but the world often tells us to do that too, doesn't it? Like, especially like, younger people. Like, you know, you need to live your life. You need to use your money on whatever you want. Live for pleasure. Live for the moment. One life, live it now. That's what, particularly you young guys there, that's what the world tells you lots to do. Certainly except when you're older as well, you've earned it, you've retired, spend your money, relax, you've earned it, it's yours. Go on holiday, go and play golf. You know what I mean? I didn't, I didn't, say, you were, I didn't say you were that old, did I? <laughs> I think you're reading into that too much there, Kath. So, uh, <laughs> so anyway... But, but it does, but the world, and I suppose all of us in between to some extent too, but the world is always telling us to, to do what this guy did. Spend your money, have loads of sex, have loads of alcohol, go travelling. There's nothing wrong with any of those things to, in, in certain contexts. Those things are good, sex is good in marriage, and alcohol's fine, and going travelling is brilliant. But this guy does it all for his own pleasure, with his dad's money, and we don't know if the father knew what he was going to do with the money either. But he still gave it him. We don't know that. It doesn't say. And I don't want to read that into it. But if the father knew what he was going to do, he still gave him the money anyway. So this famine comes to the land. He's in the land far away. A long time ago in the land far away, sorry. And, uh, and, uh, he, he, um, and he has to go work then because, because he's got no money left. So he goes and works. Now, this is a double kind of, a double sort of negative for, double negative is not the word, but, but for the Jews. So he's working for a Gentile and he's feeding filthy pigs, which are filthy animals. And he thinks, I can't have this anymore. I'm going home and he practices this, um, this little thing on the way home. He says, as he's walking home, he's saying, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your higher servants. He knows the servants get paid well. So he goes home and he's, Father, no, I'm not worthy to be called your son. And he's practicing. And the father sees him from far off. And he runs and embraces his son. And he throws a party to celebrate. Because 
his son's come home and the older son isn't happy, but the father is celebrating. Because the son has come home. So that's the parable. So how do we interpret this? How does, what's this about? I think we have to get out of our, sometimes of our Sunday school kind of way of looking at parables. If you were brought up in church, probably a lot of you were, I don't know who was and who wasn't, but you will have heard these parables in Sunday school. And you would have heard someone say to you, essentially, oh, we've all sinned and we're all bad and God loves us. When we go away from him, he's our nice father who invites us back and he loves us. And he gives us a hug and he says, welcome back. And that's not untrue. It's not untrue at all. It's completely, utterly true. But there's something else going on, which we see when we go back to the beginning of Luke 15. And this is where what Mark said, and what Beck said, and a few other people read, and, and, uh, and Denise shared some things. Listen to this. Now, the tax collectors and sinners were drawing near to him, to Jesus. And the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. So he told them a parable. This parable is not about, generally speaking, this interpretation is sort of the, the, sort of the first little interpretation we can have, that we've all gone away from God and he loves us and embraces us the Father. This is about Jesus welcoming sinners and the religious people putting a limit on God's grace and not allowing sinners to go to Jesus, complaining that these dirty, filthy, unclean people were going to Jesus and complaining that Jesus was welcoming these people. How can our Messiah, if they thought he was, how can this man welcome these people? How can he welcome drug addicts? How can he welcome alcoholics? How can he welcome homeless people and all the rest of the, the people that we meet. And that is why the older son in the story isn't happy. He's the Pharisees. He's the religious people. He's angry with the father for welcoming these outcast, filthy, dirty people. I've been in your house all this time and you've given me nothing. But when this one comes in, you give him the fatted calf and you celebrate. That's why the woman had a party when she found a coin. That's why the shepherd had a party when he found the sheep. Jesus was welcoming people who were outside of what the religious people and the people of his day saw as clean and acceptable and worthy of God's love. And I believe in this parable, if you want to look at it, we often say, well, where the coin, where that lost coin that poor little lost coin or that poor little son who's gone away from God. I don't think that's the intention of Jesus. We're the ones who are in. Most of us who are Christians, if you're not a Christian, you are that lost coin or that lost sheep or whatever. We're the ones who are in. Most of us who are Christians, okay? <laughs> that was a punchline, there you go. Um, we're the ones who are in. We're more like, the father in the story is God, but we're kind of more like the father in the story. We're more like the woman who's looking for the coin. 
We're like the shepherd who's looking for the sheep. We're the ones to search for the ones that are lost. Yeah? But I want to be honest with you. We are, I am, often like the Pharisee. Often like the religious person. I'll be honest with you, and you can be angry with me if you want, but I think a lot of you at some point have felt the same. I sometimes like our church to be nice. I sometimes like it to be all the people who are more mature as Christians. And we're all a bit messed up, but the people are a bit less messed up than some of the other people. You know what I mean? (laughs) That's good. (laughs) Thank you. It's true. It's true. I like that sometimes. And if you want to be angry at me for that, that's okay. You can come and speak to me later. Don't tell me now. Um, but, But I like... Sometimes things to be the way they are. Do you? Do any of you honestly? You don't have to put your hands up, but just look at, just think about it. Like, do any of you honestly sometimes like things the way they are? You sometimes don't want to see homeless people or addicts or it's it's beyond homeless people and addicts. But those kinds of people, sometimes you don't want to see them come into church because actually church is quite nice the way it is. Yeah. Uh. I think you do, I think you do, I do. So, we can be like that, but we're not to be like that. And that's a heart change from God. We are the ones that are in. So that army rising up, that is us. Thank you, Bex, and that is us. But that's also the addicts. And the needy and the broken, yeah, out there. They're that army too. Well, they should, they're going to be. They, they, they become part of this army rising up. We're breaking chains, but they're breaking chains too. And there's people here I know that have been in that place and have seen God break their chains and they're breaking chains. And it's, it's, that's what we're called to do. We're to be the, 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 the father running to embrace people. So, so, thank you. <laughs> it's, all, it's all about him, though. It's all about him. Yeah. So, just a couple of things to think about, okay? That's us. We go out to those people. And we have people here that are gifted to that. We have evangelists in this room. I'm not an evangelist. I don't say that to put myself down. I'm not. That's not my gift. My gift this sort of thing, teaching and things like that. But we're all called to some extent. I'm not blowing you cover thing again, Mark. I'll advertise that again. I didn't do it last week. I wasn't here, but that's what it's about, learning how to do that if you're not comfortable with that. But here's a few things to think about. A couple of things to think about in applying it. First of all, it's obvious, but we need to seek those people. We, we don't always seek people like that. How do we seek them? Sometimes it's obvious. If you're walking past a homeless person on the street, obvious he's on the street. Get him a tea or coffee or whatever. I often try and do that. 
Um, you can't have everybody, but help somebody. That's obvious. But what about where you are? So you've got work colleagues, and again, this has been hinted at. This, this is not, not what you were talking about, Dave, actually. Uh, you've got work colleagues, you've got people in school and, and uni and, and all the rest of it. That They don't fit that outwardly, they don't fit that bill outwardly, they might not be homeless, they might not be addicts, they might not be whatever, any of these things. But they are these broken outside people that God is calling us to go to. And I purposely can't grasp it completely who they are because it's so many different people. It could be anybody to some extent. But I want to encourage you to pray, first of all. Mark was saying there's a time when prayer ends and there is. But before the prayer can end, you've got to have God show you who it is that you're, you're going to in order to live out that prayer. Do you know what I mean? Does that make sense? So I want to challenge you all to pray. Who are those people that God wants me to reach, to embrace, to go to, to put my arms around, to celebrate? I'll come on to celebrating in a minute. But who, who are those people? Because I don't know who they are where you are. I don't know. Some of us obviously work with people that are typically like that kind of group. But lots of us don't. So who are they? Say, ask God, and then see what you can do. See what you can do to reach out to those people. I, I can't give you an absolute tip because it will be different to every single person you meet. But we support one another, don't we? So who are they? There's people I see where I live now who I think, that's that person. And I challenge myself with this because even as I'm thinking about preaching this and as I stand here now, I don't always do it, but ask God to show you. The second thing, what happens at the end of every single one of those parables? A party. Party, party, party. Party, the lamb is found, the sheep is found. Party, the coin's found. Party, the son is coming home. So... You can actually fill parties because parties are great. But it's celebrating. Celebrating. Now, I don't want to make this too wide. Ultimately, it's celebrating then coming to know Jesus. Celebrate when people who are outside of our church culture, who are not accepted where we are, celebrate them coming to Jesus. But... Celebrate their steps to him as well. Where there's addiction and, um, and, and rejection and all of that. And people, if someone's addicted and they decide to go to rehab, that's a celebration of, of them taking a step in the right direction in their lives. Do you know what I mean? Do you know what I mean? I, I don't want to wash that down too much and say that's all you need. It, it is ultimately about bringing people to Jesus. But every step that they take towards that goal is a reason to celebrate. So, we're celebrating. Like the, the, lost, the, the shepherd with the lost sheep celebrated and all the others. Celebrate over these people. Celebrate over their lives. And finally, just to sum it up really, don't be like the Pharisee, which I've already said I am sometimes. And a lot of us, if we look at ourselves genuinely, we'll see that we are too. Don't be. Let God mould your heart, soften you to people who are not part of 
our normal life and culture as a church and as people, the ones we don't normally spend our time with. And it's a challenge. I am challenged myself by it because I stand here thinking I'm a bit of a hypocrite. I don't do it as much either or less than I used to. But it's good and we have to and, it, and that's it. Let God mould your heart for these people so you're not like the Pharisee in the story who's hard. Jesus, you can't hang around people like that. How dare you hang around with people like that? No. You should, Jesus. Good news to the poor. It's what Les shared. That was Jesus' mission. I've come to bring good news to the poor. And we as a movement once, a while ago, as New Frontiers generally had a word about remembering the poor. Some of the people who've been around will remember that. Remember the poor. That's what Paul said. He wanted to remember the poor. Let's follow in their footsteps. That's got moulds and shapes and breaks our hearts. I want to pray for us all. Um, just that God will reveal these things to us. Can I pray for you? I'm going to anyway, so I don't really need your permission, but, <laughs> but it's nice to ask. <laughs> okay. Yeah, Lord, thank you. We just ask for you to show us as a church and in our individual lives of the people that make up this church, Where are you calling us to these people that are not our norm? I just pray for every person in this room that you'll start to mould their hearts fresh for broken, lost, needy people in their streets, in their schools, in their colleges, in their universities, in their jobs. Show them the people who need you in that really special way. Help us, Lord, not to forget this when we leave, but to remember to keep seeking after those you seek after. We thank you that you love the broken, lost people that we all once were. Praise you, Lord. Amen.